1: Do the Spurs have a chance without Kawhi Leonard at 100%? How much of a chance do the Celtics really have versus the Cavs? Why do fans feel so damn protective of their teams? The only question left is, say it with me, you win? Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I am pleased to bring on the show, friend of the show, Scott Howard Cooper, who is a, uh, a national writer for NBA.com and NBA TV contributor, where you can see him doing his thing on the big screen as well. So, Scott, I can't thank you enough for jumping in here and talking uh, playoffs with me.
0: My pleasure. Great to visit again.
1: Absolutely. Well, uh, and I guess I think I'm going to see you perhaps for the finals. Are you gonna, you're going to be on the road for that or you certainly will probably be in Oakland, right?
0: I will be at the West Coast, the uh, sorry, the Western Conference uh, games at least. Not sure about the East because I've got some draft responsibilities as well. Uh, but at the Western Conference site, and probably not going too far out on a limb to say that that probably means Oakland, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's that this great segue into what's happening right now in the Western Conference Finals. Um, I don't know. I did I did a video yesterday that's kind of gotten around. Uh, about the Zaza play, because it kind of that sort of has shifted the entire series with the Kawhi being injured. What do you think? Did Zaza do it on purpose? What's going on? What do you hear in the locker room?
0: I do not think that he did it on purpose, and based on the feedback we had gotten initially, uh, the Spurs didn't think he did it on purpose. It was only the next day that it kind of blew up. Kawhi himself, somebody asked him after the game, Uh, was it just, was it a dirty play or was it an unfortunate play? And he actually seemed surprised that anybody would even suggest that it was a dirty play. He said on purpose, Oh no. Oh gosh. Like, you know, why would you even ask almost? And it seemed to go away and, (laughs) and pop brought out the blowtorch the next day and it became front and center. And it's really interesting because, uh, it wasn't a major deal last night because the Warriors were playing at home, and that's where Zaza is going to get the full embrace. But now going to San Antonio, I think we all can see the crowd reaction that's coming, that Zaza had better pack a couple boxes of, of cotton swabs to stick into his ear when he goes out on that court. But the bottom line is uh, the Warriors are up two zero, and... The Spurs are down at least one starter, Tony Parker, and maybe a second because we don't know yet what's going to happen with Kawhi and his status. But even if he plays, it's obviously not going to be close to full strength. So uh, I think Zaza will, will gladly take the loud booing and whatever uh, off colored comments and words that he hears from the Spurs fans uh, as long as the Warriors get to walk out of there with the, with the win.
1: Sure. And although there's some doubt about him, I guess he, he hurt his, his uh, Achilles or his heel, whatever it was, didn't look like that was very serious. And the interesting thing about Kawhi's injury was none of this the, the roles looked that serious in isolation. Um, and even the one against Houston that caused him to miss game six, but clearly this must be an issue like do Do you know did he injure his ankle? I'm like blanking if he injured it before game six so that that or before game or like during game five so that like that little game Five tweak was a lot worse than it sounded did you is that is that on, on the record?
0: No, nothing that jumps out It's not like you know. if this was Steph Curry for example, and you'd say yeah he's got a history of ankle problems and Anytime he does anything with the ankle there's everybody in the Bay Area kind of has to hold their breath because of his long history Mm -hmm. and that's not Kawhi and you know it must be really really a problem for him to not play because this this is a guy that basically you need you need a a bulldozer to get him off the court he Mm -hmm. is a competitor he has a passion to play he's a, a great worker and so for him to miss overtime in a playoff game, and then after that to miss full games, you know that it's it's bad.
1: Yeah, and I, and I have a feeling Pop must have conceded game two either way, wasn't going to push it. I mean, his rotations were a little bit weird to begin with. I mean, we've been clamoring for Deadman to get in a lot more earlier anyway, and he would refuse, and then all of a sudden there he is in the first quarter playing. Did, did that feel like, oh, this isn't, this isn't going to happen no matter what?
0: Yeah, especially once you saw how the game started. Yeah. Uh, I would never say that he conceded anything because uh, he also saw that his team in game one that reminded people that crazy things can happen. And he just didn't think crazy, two crazy things would happen that there would be two games within the game in the, in the opener of the series, because it was the Spurs jumping out to a huge lead. And then it was the Warriors playing just as well down the stretch to win the game. So I think that that, Pop went in there thinking that anything is possible, and as he was very clear in pointing out afterwards, his players did not share the sentiment that you could uh, that he had a, the sense that some of these guys thinking, "Oh, we're you know we're toast; that we can't win this game," and that they carry, that they had that attitude about them and they carried into the game, and that's what you get when too many of your guys are thinking. You know, this is just too much for us to overcome playing without Tony and without Kawhi. Mm -hmm. And Pop called him out afterwards. As much as he as much as he lit into uh, Zaza Petulia the day before, he lit into his own guys last night after the game for saying people just didn't believe that we could win this game. And that's obviously unforgivable.
1: What did you make of the game one start uh, as far as how bad the Warriors looked and how good the, the Spurs looked? I mean, if all things be equal and Kawhi is healthy, I mean, would, would would that be indicative of how the series is going to go?
0: I would I would think so that that would have been the reminder that you know, Tony Parker isn't there, but the Spurs and their legacy still is and meaning that these are the guys that, that people have been wanting to count them out literally for decades. Mm-hmm. Through different yeah. r- roster turnover and different situations, it's always, all right, you know, uh, David Robinson is is too old, so the Spurs are going away. Or Tim Duncan and Manu are too old, so the Spurs are going away. And it never happens. And then you get to game one, it's, well, no Tony Parker uh, and the Warriors are playing at such a high level that, that the Spurs just aren't going to be able to hang with these guys. And then, whoops, you know, they they not only hung with these guys, they pushed them around for uh, about two and a half quarters. And I think that that that's the attitude that, for, and that was the strange part because the Spurs had the right attitude in game one and then it completely disappeared for game two. And uh, uh, apparently losing Kawhi was that much of an emotional blow beyond what it meant on the court in the X is an O sense and that the guy's terrific on both sides of the ball. Apparently it, the emotional fallout was the worst part of all because the Spurs have shown that they can deal with adversity. And it's a it's a gritty group. And you still have guys there that are capable of having big games. And yet, as Greg Popovich was the first to point out, his guys cashed out early.
1: Yeah. I mean, what we saw in game one was, I, I, here's the thing. The, uh, the It was a weird start time And they didn't play for a week. The Warriors hadn't played for a week. So I think that, you know, generally we've seen that teams will come out rusty for a quarter, right? Maybe like a quarter and a half. And so I kind of wanted to chalk that up to that, but you, you saw that like they continued that domination up until the seven-minute mark of the third quarter when Kawhi went out. And then you have the thing where almost every team is going to suffer when you take a, t- a player like Kawhi out because now the rotations are different, guys. Roles are all whacked. And then certainly in game two, it felt that same way where even though, and I thought like Jonathan Simmons was replacing all this scoring, right? He was, he was really scoring well. The other guys couldn't seem to get off. And I got yelled at on Twitter you know for all night for saying, that I said, you know, Jonathan Simmons has replaced Kawhi's, I, I tried to make it seem like he replaced him scoring, but somehow they, they took that to mean that he replaced him completely on in every facet, and, um, and so that's the interesting thing, where, um, anyway, so the point being that, yes, I, it, it looked to me that, like, they were expo- exposing some serious flaws that the Warriors, I guess, might still have.
0: Imagine that, people on Twitter just wanting to scream about something.
1: Oh, my goodness. You know, it was really nice to to not have Cavs Twitter on on Twitter for a little while uh, while they were waiting. (laughs) Right.
0: Um, I don't know about exposed, but um, clearly it's it's just the back-and-forth nature of the series. Not only game one was obviously, as I said before, two games within one. And then to have such a dramatic shift in approach by the Spurs and personality and an attitude that, uh, you know what? People on Twitter, if they want to yell at you, tell them to go yell at Pop, because Popovich was the one saying after the game that Jonathan Simmons was the guy who showed up, and maybe the only guy. After that, the list of people that have reason to hold their head high about giving a great effort on the Spurs got really, really short once you got past Jonathan Simmons. So, I think your point is well taken. you don't replace Kawhi Leonard, but maybe the best way to put it is: is Jonathan Simmons did very well at picking up the slack, at stepping into the void, and and doing his part. It's just the other four guys on the court with him at the same time, or the the rest of the roster through the whole night, didn't come close to doing their part.
1: Um, you're around the team now. You're on the, You're in the locker rooms and stuff. So you know, is there an update on Steve Kerr and what's going on with him and how he's feeling and whether he might come back? Not really.
0: I think that people are a little bit more encouraged because he's been around the team more. Um, He's been at the two games of this series, not out on the bench or anywhere around the court, but he's showing up and he's part of the pregame in the locker room and part of the halftime in the locker room. And he was at practice on the off day on uh, Monday. And so there's this sense of kind of working his way back in. um, But The the Warriors are still being very careful to say this does not mean that he's close to coming back. Uh, It's such a complicated medical situation. People have kind of misunderstood, and they think that he's got a bad back. And that's not the situation at all. That's how it all started. Mm -hmm. But it was during the surgery to deal with the bad back uh, that there was a complication. There was a nick and uh, spinal fluid got released, and that's the problem. He has these horrible headaches, just just brutal, and he's got nausea, and there's been times where it's been an issue of dizziness, and just getting through the day can be very, very challenging, not just for Steve, but for anybody else that's dealt with the same thing. Uh, It just can control your life, and I think one of the reasons why they're going extra slow and 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 not saying he's coming pl- he's closer to coming back or anything like that. And Steve has emphasized this all along from when he dealt with it at the start of last season and he missed about half the season, the regular season. He doesn't want it to be a I'm gonna come back and give it a try. This isn't like this isn't like you hurt your elbow or your ankle or a knee or something and missed a couple games and all right, let's get out there and, and give this guy ten minutes a run and, and see how the knee is feeling he's made it clear he doesn't want to do that. Either he, he's back or he's not. He doesn't want to come back, coach two games, and then say, I just can't do this. Mm-hmm. So it, especially he doesn't want it to be a disruptive thing in the playoffs where back and forth, Mike Brown, Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr, Mike Brown. So the I guess the bottom line is, no, there is no update uh, other than there's reason to be encouraged, but that's a big jump from saying he's close to coming back. And I think – the announcement probably will come without warning. They could just suddenly say um, on the day of a game, you know, Steve's a shoot around. He's doing, and he's back on the sideline tonight, or they can come out and say, you know, Steve's just decided that it's just not going to happen. It's just Mm -hmm. too difficult. And the feedback he's getting from doctors is, is not real good for now. And right now it's about being ready for day one of training camp. The next season.
1: Is he, he, is he talking to the, the press at all right now?
0: No, I mean he's having just informal conversations, but there's no interview, there's no Mm on-the-record comment. But people see him, and some people talk to him, but he's not really having any interviews or any comments.
1: Um, Okay, well let's let's shift over to Kawhi then. Are is there are there any results on his MRI, and and what are they saying about Game Three for him?
0: Uh, As of last night, because I I haven't been around the team at all today. don't know if anybody has it. It's an early hour right now in Oakland, uh, but the latest is a shoulder shrug, a will see, um, a nothing definitive that there's uh, there's nothing new. Uh, all they can say for sure is that he missed the game last night, and they're going to try for game three. But because they have some off days, that uh, game three is not until Saturday. Uh, that there's several days away from from saying what it looks like I wouldn't be surprised if they just say game time decision and all along until maybe they practice the day before or shoot around and at that point maybe there's something more at least a leaning maybe there's a he's questionable which doesn't look good or he's probable which does look good but I think right now as they come out of game two it's just way too early to know
1: Sure, and it's really too bad because it felt like the only chance the Spurs had in the series at all would have been had they had Kawhi completely healthy the whole time. Uh, I mean, because it was overwhelming, and they could not stop him, and he was doing his thing on defense, and the whole team just, you know, like they emanated that whole, the confidence comes from him too. And if you're looking for the same kind of confidence in the kitchen that Kawhi instills in his teammates, then it's time to try Blue Apron. They are the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. And let me say this, my wife doesn't cook, never has. But I watched in awe as she prepared the most delicious Chinese five-spice salmon dish by following the very easy directions. You can go a full year without repeating a recipe. They're tailored to your specific taste and all for under $10 a person. If you go to blueapron.com slash coach Nick, you can get your first three meals free. So why not give them a try? And you probably hear other pods with their link to Blue Apron. Ignore those and use mine. It's easy to remember. Blueapron.com slash CoachNick. And you'll be on your way to preparing fresh and incredibly tasty home-cooked meals. It's the equivalent to getting an awesome Warriors-Spurs Western Conference Finals matchup. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's really a shame because we deserve... We deserve a Warriors-Spurs classic, you know, Western Conference Finals. And it's like every year something keeps getting in the way. And um, I don't know if it's the basketball gods or what, but, um, you, know, you know, who knows? I, again, because I kept saying the, in, individually the ankle injuries don't look that severe. Even the Zaza one, he was able to, he was able to fall before he rolled. Like we, we've seen Kobe roll it to where, where he hits the edge of his ankle on the ground and, like, and he didn't even break it. I don't know how he didn't do it that one, but but, but he didn't do that in, in, on this one. He kind of started to roll and, and got his weight off of it, so I don't know. I feel like I hope they're going to be able to tape him up, shoot him up, whatever we're going to do, and I get him out there.
0: Well, among the many people who agree with you that we deserve a great Spurs Warrior series are the Spurs, and, and pretty much everybody in San Antonio, that obviously this is people are just have to throw their hands up in the air because no Tony Parker, no Kawhi Leonard equals no chance. And this is the series, not only that is the two best teams in the Western conference, but that people have known for months were the two best teams that people had really been looking forward to this series for such a long time. And yeah, you know, the Rockets made a nice step forward in the regular season and and sort of said, you know, we're going to try to play at that level, and uh, maybe the Clippers for a few minutes every now and then thought that they should be in the conversation as a contender. Uh, the Jazz made a nice step forward this season, obviously not at, at the Golden State level, as we saw in the playoffs, but there certainly was a season of gains. But even with all those all those other people trying to insert themselves in the conversation, I think everybody all along knew that it was – Uh, A Spurs Warriors world in the the Western Conference and everybody was saying boy this could really be a good conference finals and and I think it would have been and that's the thing that boy I I would have loved seven games of the healthy Spurs against the healthy Warriors and it's it's not going to happen and uh, the fans probably feel let down but imagine the feeling among people in San Antonio and especially the people inside that locker room and in that front office.
1: Yeah, it's really too bad. But who knows, maybe they'll he'll do a Willis-Reed and uh, come out there and, uh, and at the very least inspire everybody and hopefully uh, contribute. Because, yeah, I don't want to see another blowout series like the Warriors have been having. Uh, right. I'm not sure the Warriors do either. They probably need to be tested a little bit because uh, what they're going to face in the finals, in theory, is going to be a whole lot more difficult than anything they faced before.
0: Yeah, they're getting those comments a lot. And from their perspective, they have been tested. Uh, obviously not in a series when they go 40 40 and now 20 they're not getting anybody that's threatening to eliminate them, but that there have been enough moments in games uh, that they felt like they had to play sharp certainly game one of this series if they didn't have their act together mm-hmm. uh, the fourth quarter especially but probably midway through the third quarter, they would have lost that game. Uh, they got a test in I can't remember which game but one of the games against the jazz. Yeah. In the second round, um, game one against the Trailblazers, that was what happened when you get big offensive showings from from uh, Lillard and McCollum on the same night, and so that was a little bit of a, a I don't want to say a scare, but that was a that was a reminder to the Warriors. So it's been few and far between. There haven't been regular tests, and again sweep sweep, and now halfway to a sweep. Uh, you're not thinking that these guys have had a real scare thrown into them, but uh, the Warriors are telling everybody because now, as I said, this is coming at more and more that yeah, they're getting enough of a push that, that teams are out there that, and part of it is you just want to say the nice things and you say the right things about your opponents and say oh no no
1: these guys are
0: you know these guys are all NBA players and and they're giving us something to think about. Uh, there have been a few games, but you're right, not a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, they have to have a loss almost. like You almost <laughs> think like they need a, a loss or two just to kind of make sure. But, but uh, again, it doesn't look like that's going to happen the way they're playing either way. But,
0: maybe, but could you say the same thing about the Cavaliers, though? That's the thing, that if, if it ends up being Cleveland-Golden State, and I say if, you don't assume anything, especially in the Eastern Conference, um it's possible the same case could be made about the Cavaliers. So it's not like that – if this does turn out – and I think that Boston will be at least competitive more – I can't imagine that that will be a sweep. Maybe if I'm proven wrong, but but that's my thinking now. Um, but it's possible that the Cavaliers show up in pretty much the same situation mm-hmm. as as the Warriors. And so it's not like it's any – it's not like it's any great advantage to say one of the team, boy, they've been tested. They're more ready for the finals. It could be that we're going to show up with two teams that are very well rested.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. So we're looking for the Cavs tonight to have, after a long layoff, they could very well be rusty. At the very least for them. It's a relatively normal start time. So and it's not a weird Sunday, early morning game. So, or for me, it was morning or, or like midday. So uh, that might be a difference maker for them. So, you know, we're talking about the Cavaliers and the Celtics, and you know what were your thoughts coming out of the out of the seven game series between the Wizards and the Celtics? I mean, did did, did the Celtics distinguish themselves enough to, to, in your mind, to to think that they can they can get more than a game off of the Cavs? Maybe more than a game, but okay, I don't I don't think that they
0: distinguish themselves enough to say that they're going to win the series. You know, maybe uh, maybe they get to six games, um, you know. Maybe everything comes together and the Celtics that we saw for stretches during the regular season when they were really good, maybe they, uh, maybe the stars align and these guys play really well and uh, they step up into the moment that they haven't been in before and you get to a game seven. But I still don't see them beating Cleveland four times in seven games.
1: Right. I mean, I don't think anybody does. I think most people might think it's going to be a sweep because certainly, you know, when I was tweeting out uh, a couple times during that series, I said, I wonder what the Cavaliers are thinking watching these games right now. And the response is all like, you know, LeBron dancing topless in the, uh, you know, while he's working out and all that kind of stuff. And it it felt that way. But you're right. There also seems to be something there. I tweeted out again. All I do is spend time getting getting hammered on Twitter. But you saw the Kelly Olinick game uh, in game seven. It was fantastic. And I said, it's, it might be, and I said it might be time to maybe consider that he can be an X factor in this series. <laughs> the Cavaliers fans came out in droves to let me know that that was a joke.
0: Well, again, they just they just need to have something to yell at. Um, the Celtics need somebody to be that Kelly olinick and it doesn't have to be Kelly every single game, but it can't just be fourth quarter. All right, Isaiah. You know, you you take us across the finish line. There has to be somebody, uh, and maybe in some cases it's just really good defense from because the Celtics have a couple of those guys. Um, so it, it's possible that it can be a close series. I, I still think that the Cleveland's going to win, and people are going to be upset if you say they're going to win four to one. And who cares? That again, that, that you can pick their team to win convincingly, and people are still going to. People are still going to go on a crying jag about something and you're putting our team down and mm-hmm. all that other stuff. Uh, I think most people would agree that Cleveland is the favorite in this series. And whether it's in four games or whether it's in seven games is probably the only thing that that needs to be determined.
1: Well, I'm kind of curious if we could look at that for a second, just because we're talking about what could the Celtics do to really hurt the the Cavaliers. And I mean, the first thing that we talk about that comes to my mind is you know their transition defense was so bad uh, in the regular season, and we just no one ran on them as much. In in this notion of oh, they don't run in the in the playoffs, it slows down, which is sort of kind of true. But um, you know that's why we were kind of hoping for John Wall to make it because he's a one man fast break. Um, but I'm trying to so I'm trying to picture that so obviously like Isaiah going off would have to be a Component to any win they have right?
0: Yes. Yeah There, there has to be the all-star playing like an all-star
1: Okay, now the other thing would be they'd have to contain LeBron James relatively well Um because his problem is you can shut him down sort of offensively But then the other guys get all the threes, so who's gonna do that? I mean, I, I guess we're thinking that Jay Crowder is gonna be that guy
0: you're thinking Jay Crowder and in the backcourt because the other name that comes up is Kyrie Irving. So Avery Bradley, uh, they've got to be able to, to defend the backcourt as well because while LeBron is obviously the guy with a capital T-H-E, mm-hmm. um, as you mentioned, there's other guy other players on that team that can hurt you. And you may get a game where LeBron is, is pretty quiet, in the scoring column, maybe he's got 14 or 16, and you're thinking, "Wow, this is great. We've taken we've taken care of LeBron offensively." Except that, wait a minute, 11 assists.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, he, he can beat you with the assists. He can hurt you on the boards. Uh, he's obviously got the composure of somebody that's that's made deep playoff runs every single year. Uh, so you don't shut down LeBron James. I think what you have to do is if you can keep him off, if you make him a passer and he has ability to be a very, very good passer, you make him a passer and then other guys are missing shots. So it's almost, it's almost a a double thing is you have to be able to uh, get LeBron into an area that you want him to get in, which obviously is not necessarily an easy task because (laughs) that's why he's LeBron James, but you have to, have him play the game that you want him to play, and then the second part has to be the rest of the Cavaliers cooperating and them not hurting you. So that yeah. that's what Cleveland's so good is that even if you even if you get their best offensive threat down to 14 or 16 points a game, there's still the oh yeah. You know other guys can beat you as well
1: yeah I mean to, to, because to me I don't I think it's a Celtics standpoint having Avery Bradley on Kyrie is a really good matchup. I mean I think he can he can defend him and make him work i, I like the the Crowder has the the, the the stoutness, whatever you want to call that to defend LeBron because right. I almost feel like they, do not double him, trying and goad him into as many outside shots as you can, and then just make him work. But then stick to the other guys. And so you're right. All of a sudden you realize, you know, Marcus Smart is an instigator and he can also play defense really well. Al Horford can kind of, you know, he doesn't rebound so well. So the question is, is he going to be able to keep Tristan Thompson off the boards? Because that might end up being the biggest thing. Because I got to tell you, Tristan Thompson is just below LeBron, I feel like, in how valuable he is keeping those possessions alive, especially on the offensive end.
0: And one of the things that really needs to go right for the Wizards is and we'll see this right away but just we were talking a few minutes ago about the game one start by the Warriors mm-hmm. against the Spurs. The Wizards need that to happen in game one of the Eastern Finals as well. They need to they need, yeah, they they need Cleveland to look like a team that hasn't played for a while and Washington has to be able to say We've got a little slingshot coming into the series because we just won a Game 7 and we've got an emotional run going and um, maybe nobody expects us to win so we can play a little looser. They need to be able to jump on Cleveland uh, in game one. I think that, that that's a big factor as well.
1: Yeah, I like that because, you know, all they want is one of these games. They, obviously, they're not thinking about getting two. They want to steal one. And you're right. And just like how the Spurs were going to do it, uh, if you get confidence in a young team that hasn't been there before, you never know. It's just so hard because you you just keep thinking of the image of LeBron James in your head. And LeBron James in your head is just that guy who you can never bet against you can never assume anything about that, no matter how you want to. And I, I know all, all people I'm, I'm following me are thinking that I'm looking for him to fail. I'm not, but I do like the underdog story as I, I, who wouldn't. Um, so yeah, I, you're right. It seems like there's, everything would have to kind of really fall in line and at the very least. This is the game. This is the one chance where they might have a little leeway if they're a little, if the Cavaliers are rusty, where they don't have to be absolutely perfect. And then who knows what happens in the Garden? Now, I take it you've been to the Garden in the new TD Garden to see games. Is that is that fair enough to say? Yes. And so, how how would you rate that experience from, for a visiting team?
0: I don't know that it's when you talk about boy, that's a tough place to play. I don't know that that comes up. It's it's. I mean, in Boston, they have the obvious contrast to the previous building, which Boston Garden was one of the all-time lion's dens mm-hmm. for opponents for a million different reasons. The atmosphere. Uh, maybe Red Auerbach had a couple tricks up his sleeve about cold water in the shower and or turning up the heat, uh, cranking it to full blast on the heater. Uh, different thing. Not that would suggest that Red Auerbach ever would have done anything like that, of course. Wink, wink. Wow. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's considered a nice building, but not like, boy, this is really tough. It's like, you know, it's like going into Oracle or, in you know, Oklahoma City is tough and there's a few other places out there. I don't know that. Nobody puts it down, but I don't know that anybody necessarily says, you know, boy, just the atmosphere there is, is something that can break a young team.
1: Yeah. I, I, so I have to imagine looking forward, if they don't win game one, it could very well be a sweep. Like, if they can't get a hell, handle on this one, then it's going to be, you know, then it's they're down two love already probably, and then they're going into Boston. So it, it definitely feels like tonight there's a lot of pressure on them.
0: No, don't go saying nice things and, and giving some positive feedback to the Cavaliers. To... <laughs> Never. No, no I you know. The Cleveland fans are going to wonder what your what your motive is if you're trying to sneak one past them. You know, I don't think that we're trying to find bad things about the Cavaliers. I don't think it's necessarily people searching for the negative. I think I think it's a fair discussion. It's really a compliment to the Cavaliers. We're having a discussion on what needs to happen for a team to be competitive against against Cleveland. And that's really what this conversation is. It's not pointing, it's not digging for negatives. It's saying Cleveland is that good in the Eastern Conference and that much in control that there's just a discussion, there's it's a fair conversation just to say what kind of crazy things has to happen. And so you're you talk about the layoff and you talk about if if somebody's able to uh to have a good good half or a good quarter on LeBron James, how that can help. I don't see that as searching for negative. I I see that as as a just a conversation on who can give this team a game, let alone a series in the yes. Eastern
1: Conference. And and there, and it, there's a culture in Cleveland of wearing their heart on their sleeve, and also probably still feeling like the younger brother or whatever that term would be that they you know they just maybe they're not quite getting the respect that they deserve even across the country. You know, as as Cleveland is a city, and mm-hmm. so you know they. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, whatever. That, that's there's fan bases. Every fan base thinks that everyone's out to get us. Yeah, even even the best fan bases, it's not hard to find a thread of "woe is me" and you know the, the the crybaby syndrome. And you know things take care of them on the court to take care of themselves on the court. Mm-hmm. And Cleveland was the best team last year and deserved to celebrate. And whoever wins this year will be the best team on the court and will deserve to celebrate. And that's the bottom line. And fans are always going to say, you know, if their team loses, we got screwed. And it's always going to be – not always, but there's always going to be a layer of the fan base that is going to be the refs are against us, the league is against us. There's always going to be somebody standing on the grassy knoll. It's always a conspiracy theory out there on why their team lost. But I – But you play seven games, and somebody's going to win four of them, and and that's the team that deserves to win. Now, maybe there's the occasional unique circumstance. If you're the Spurs, you're thinking, yeah, well, we just wish it would have been beating the Spurs instead of the the partial Spurs. But you go into a situation, and if the Celtics and Cavaliers are healthy through the entire series, the best team will win. And if the Cavaliers advance – and the Warriors advance, and we're still saying, if, if they advance and both teams are healthy, the team that wins four games will be the best team. And after that, it's all just background noise from fans.
1: For sure. Well, I cannot thank you enough, Scott, for jumping on here with us. Uh, you are the Cleveland Cavaliers of NBA writers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, always awesome to read yourself on NBA.com and to, to peep you over on NBA TV. Uh, what, what are you working on right now that we can expect to see up online?
0: Well, I, I covered games one and two of uh, Cleveland. Of see what you did to me,
1: oh. of
0: uh, of Warriors, Spurs, and those. Are, I, I just posted one late last night, and I'm not going to go to game three. I'm going to pick it back up at game four in San Antonio. So right now, I'm turning. I'm, I'm going to get some draft coverage. Uh, I'm also the point guy on the draft, and we can talk a lot about that as it gets a little closer. I've had stories along the way. So if I get a day or two away from a series, I want to jump in and, and try to get a draft story done. So, but there's going to be a lot of draft content between now and June 22nd selections in Brooklyn.
1: Cool. Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing a false to the Celtics. I'm hoping I'm going to be right on that one. Is that what you're hearing? Oh, I, I would think. I would be surprised if it wasn't. I'll put it that way. Okay. Well, you know what? You have to come back on and talk about that because there's a lot of parts that is going to have to deal with, and uh, I can't get that straight in my head either, so you can help. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. This is great, and we'll talk to you really soon. Perhaps I'll see you over at the finals when you're around there. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel we're a conversation. You win. Are you in, Scott? 100% in.